Welcome, everybody. I am so excited to have here with us today the CEO of Intellimize, Guy Yalif. Guy, welcome to the show. David. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Excited to join you. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, Guy, I, uh, I'm really intrigued with what you're doing at Intellimize. But w before we dive in too deep, why don't you tell our viewers a little bit more about what Intellimize does? Sounds great. Intellimize intelligently optimizes websites. We personalize them for each unique visitor in the moment to meet them where they are in your buyer journey to drive more revenue, more lease of sales, or more customers, depending on the kind of business you are. Awesome. So, I mean, one of the ways that I've heard from others in Telemize being described is A-B testing on steroids. Tell me about that. It resonates a lot because you can break a lot of the constraints you have with A-B testing, but at that high level, it's A-B testing and personalization together. Both of those are often separate budgets, separate strategies, separate teams. In our humble opinion, they're all in service of driving more revenue. And so we use both together at scale. Awesome. And, and personalization is something that people are paying more and more attention to. This concept of, you know, make, make a million people feel like one in a million. Yeah. So how, how do you put that into practice? Can you give us a couple examples? Happy to. Um, it's similar to what we've all been doing in ads for the last 10, 15 years. It's not an accident that I spent the last 20 years in ad tech where you would give Facebook, Google, or others five ad creative, not one. They'll figure out the right one to show each unique visitor in the moment. They'll show the good ones more, amplifying your good ideas. They'll starve the bad ones of traffic, protecting you from them, and optimize for some goal you care about. That didn't exist for websites where the money's made, where we work all this, spend all this energy to get people to, to convert. That's what we've done. And so practical examples, meet your prospects where they are. Treat each individual visitor differently, whether they're high value, low value, whether you want to mirror the message they saw in the ad that got them there, the email that got them there, continue that on the website, or simply have two people who have a difference of opinion inside the company about how to message, resolve that using data. I, I love that because so many people do disagree and they have their own opinions and their Whatever own instincts, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and we just operate, we ourselves, we just operate on the data. We say, well, we can have opinions. Let's look at the data. And so A-B testing is so core to what we do. And obviously all marketers do that. What you do is so important. So, you know, people go on a site and they have Intellimize, you know, uh, they're leveraging Intellimize. Is the copy changing? Is the imagery changing? Um, what else changes? Do CTAs change? All the above. So to your point, you and I might go visit Dermalogica.com today and we might see two different things. If you showed up a week later, you might again see something different, either because you did something or because the machine learning, which updates itself every few minutes on its own with zero human intervention, got better at predicting human behavior. What might those different things be? To your point, could be headline, call to action, imagery, layout on the page, interactivity, right? Maybe you add an exit modal to capture someone's attention. It hopefully is continuing what we know about you from before. So if you saw an ad about this product, hopefully we're showing you that product. If previously you browsed this category, hopefully we're bringing that front and center so that even someone's homepage feels as personalized as a dedicated landing page. I, that's amazing. And I think that's what every consumer wants is to feel that they're being spoken to, not at. Right. Very, very much with you. Uh, and, and the more you can be helpful to them, remember things about them. How many times it, it, it boggled my mind 
when we started that we would spend all this time coming up with the, the right context, the right product, the right imagery, the right everything in our ads, spend so much time doing that, tailor the journey all the way, get to the website and forget all of it. Yeah. And so the more you can remember that, the more useful you can be and probably then be rewarded with revenue. And, and as a consumer, you know, you're absolutely right that you see certain things that grab your attention here at the ad space then you end up on the website. It's completely disconnected, a different message, sometimes completely different branding and colors because you have kind of fragmented teams working on these different parts of the funnel. Very, very much with you. And you talked about how it's different than A-B testing. That can happen when you're A-B testing. A-B testing is wonderful because you're doing data-driven marketing to your point about resolving disagreements and improving the experience. It's less wonderful because you treat everybody the same. It's A-B testing is kind of like saying, you know what? Every woman in the U.S. has to wear size nine shoes because that's the average shoe size for women in America. Sounds ridiculous when you talk about shoes, but people do it on websites all the time. And it's worse than that because you update your site, you baked it in. Yeah. Do you rerun all your A-B tests every time you change your targeting, your messaging, your competitor to something? You don't, but the world changes. So now it's like telling all the, every woman in the U.S., you have to wear size nine shoes from the day you're born to the day you die because it's the one answer for everyone forever. Sounds totally ridiculous. You can use machine learning to give everybody the right shoe for them that grows over time, changes as their style changes. That's a super interesting analogy. Um, and I'm sure all the women are, are, are it's resonating with them. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, you've raised, you've raised quite a lot of money from venture capital from some of the most respected firms there are. What do you as a CEO really try to focus on and where are you placing those bets? We feel very fortunate to have some amazing partners on our board and among our investors. Uh, feel humbled to be able to work with them. Candidly, the place we focus is our customers and our culture. Uh, for us, we don't get up in the morning thinking, how do we do this financial engineering? How do we kill this competitor? We're aware of what our competitors do. But for us, we get up in the morning saying, how do we make that marketer, that merchant, that PM a hero internally? How do we get them promoted? How do we get them up on stage saying nice things about us? That is our true north of success. That then guides a whole bunch of decision-making and our culture. That is literally our top value. We also then say we want this to be the best professional experience of our lives working here, that it's an inflection points in people's careers. We're also humble, empathetic, logical, and data-driven, and proactively transparent. Those set of values, focus on them a bunch because it makes it fun to go to work every day. Because all the mumbo-jumbo, not all, but most of the mumbo-jumbo We've all experienced in so many different places. We don't have that. And I genuinely view it as a scaling mechanism for the company. People make better decisions at all levels of the org because they live and breathe these things every day. Absolutely. That's so important. What, and, and, you know, people spend more time at work than they do at home. You know, you're at work eight hours. You come home, there's three, four hours before you're going to bed or five hours maybe six if you're a late night person, <laughs> but, but it's interesting. People don't really think about that as much, but when someone told me that once, someone said to me once, your employees are, are kind of like your family because they're spending more time with you than their own family. And it brought me this sense of responsibility and care, you know, and, and uh, maybe my employees will disagree, but I, I, I really care about my employees because I look at it through that lens of, I want this to be a special place that they spend 40 hours plus a week um, and, and when they do, and when they feel that they're taking care of their family, the productivity, the employee satisfaction, and, you know, that having the owner's cap on is, makes such a big difference. We are reading from the same book very strongly. We, uh, we say often internally, like we're not family, 
but it's not an accident that we feel like family. We want that to be the case. And we also will sometimes talk about how like life's short. You got to do stuff you enjoy doing with people you enjoy doing it with. Yeah. And you're a team, you know, more than family and, and Reed Hastings famously says, we're not a family and Netflix, we're, but we're like a, we're like a sports team, mm. you know, where we have to be able to rely on one another and count on one another and care for one another like a family, but we have to be dependent because you can't fire family. <laughs> and, you know, if you don't perform, you're not sticking around forever. Um, you know, we're kind of AB testing employees too, right? Every one of us. And it's, it's infectious, right? You get a bunch of A players that operate at a high level. They want to attract more A players. And it's this self-reinforcing thing where you then start attracting people. Maybe you wouldn't otherwise be able to get because they're like, I want to be happy doing what I'm doing, doing it with great other people. Yeah. Reed talks about that and he calls it talent density. Oh, right. Building, building talent density because the, High performers will attract more high performers and then compete with themselves to be even higher, more amazing performers. But if you bring on a few kind of duds on the team that are a little lazier, don't care as much, they have a bad attitude, they don't elevate to the high performer level. What happens is the high performers average out with the low ones and it kind of ruins the morale and the productivity and you stop exceeding expectations. And so it's so important to keep that talent density you know, as strong as possible internally. And that's so important. So tell me when, when people talk about AB testing, how, what's the average amount of tests someone may do on an average page at any given time? So should it be called AZ testing? <laughs> people do sometimes call it ABN. Yeah. To the to degree. And it really depends on how much traffic they have. Um, uh, you know, the more you got, the faster you can go. We do see our average customer over the last couple of years tried 177 different ideas. That would have taken them a quarter century to do. But then you can use machine learning, to, which they did, to go optimize across the 78 million possible combinations of those, which no mere mortal marketer can ever go do. And so we think the right way to go accelerate A-B testing, be multivariate, and simultaneously go personalize is to go free up time to go crawl inside the head of your prospect. Go walk a day in the life of their shoes. Go understand what gets them promoted, what makes them a hero internally, and use that as fodder and then have machine learning and your own rules, should you have some, drive what gets shown to whom because your prospects will tell you, your website visitors will tell you, and a machine can listen and act on that better. What I love about what you do is it's measurable. You can actually measure the on-page, the time on-page people spend, the conversion rate on that page, and so it's not just this should work, but it's did it work or did it not? And your whole business is just around data. So there's a little argument. It's just trying different things out, testing, and then using intuition and experience and, and you know, real skill to know where to focus and what to optimize. Because if you look at any one page, take a home page or take a, a pricing page or a demo page, but, you know, landing page, there's, I can think of so many elements there that you can try to optimize and probably all at the same time. But at the same time, if you try to optimize too much at once, is it tricky to understand the data? Is it better to kind of piece it, start with the header, change the image, change the layout. But if you do too much all at once, can the, can the results come back in a noisy way that it's hard to decipher? It's a great question and it's a great use of ML. I'll take a half step back and say, amen to data-driven marketing. And it is remarkable when you have truly data-driven marketers who are like, I am certain this is going to work. And then it doesn't. They're like, okay, that's what the data said, as opposed to, no, no, data's got to be wrong. Like, no, no, this is some, something's off here. To directly answer your question, 
you can use ML to tease that out. You can use machine learning to understand, hey, I ran this highly multivariate thing. Using ours, you can also start and stop stuff midway, which you cannot do in an A-B test while you're waiting for weeks and months. Use ML to understand what was the impact of this individual thing? What was the impact of these things together? And tease that out in a way that is statistically valid. So uh, you can not muddy the results and still move more quickly. That's super interesting. I, I want to talk to you after this about, <laughs> about Verse and how we can leverage you. I mean, we're always A-B testing. Um, sure, all the time. All the time. It's a, it's a constant. And, uh, but, but you bring such a level of experience there and, and a, just a different level to the game uh, from everything else I've seen. That's, it's impressive. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you after this separately, not trying to over promote you. I'm genuinely interested, um, as, I'm as a marketer myself, you know, um, you know, marketing our product all the time. So I'm grateful it fires you up. I must admit we are totally conversion obsessed as a group and it is nice to talk, talk to other conversion obsessed marketers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our name verse comes from converse and conversion kind of together, but conversations drive conversion. Um, and, and that's what we're all about. And I, that's a brilliant I, name. And, and I'm, I'm curious, um, well, Intel, <laughs> Intelimize was taken. So we had to, <laughs> we had to keep looking. Um, so when you, when you are, are analyzing someone's page, are there key elements like to our viewers as like advice to give them, where should they start on optimizing? Is it header copy? That's the most important is it imagery. Is it the CTA? Um, is there an answer? <laughs> In my humble opinion, if you don't know anything about your users, yes, start with above the fold prominent stuff. If you know a bunch about your users, your prospects, what's getting in the way of them moving forward on that page? That's the place to start. That concept of, oh, wait, we have a low trust moment here. Oh, wait, this is complicated. That will fuel stuff that's sort of meta above. Is it a headline or is it right? That, that concept of, oh, I want to simplify this, maybe reflected in layout imagery, uh, a copy all at the same time because you're bringing that concept to life. If you don't have those insights, because not everybody does all the time, then totally above the fold prominent stuff tends to yield more fruit because more people see it. All right. Well, that's good to know. Um, what do you see as the future of optimization? Um, I'm almost certainly biased in the answer because Having spent 15, 20 years in ad tech, I watched everything go from paper IOs, which is just, you know, uh, I, I want to buy this static thing. To me, that feels like A-B testing, to rules, which was the early days of search, where you're like, if they search for this term, I want to show them that thing, to programmatic advertising, which is give me a bunch of creative and I'll figure out what to show whom and show the good ones more and the bad ones less. To me, it's natural for the next part of the funnel on the website to go the same way. And so in my humble opinion, it, 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 it will. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a better answer to meet every prospect where they are in the funnel with you. And we've all talked about one-to-one -one marketing forever. To be able to practically do it, I, you know, uh, I, I think we can generally do it in ads to be able to do it on our websites, I think is the next great thing. And so then you, great, you get that. Then you need to marry that with great ingredients. You need to marry that with deep prospect insight that's both qualitative and quantitative. I think that's, that's sort of chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so let me ask you this. You guys are working really hard on page, right? Com you know, optimizing. What happens after, you know, so, so you, you improve conversion. Okay, more people now complete this form on this page. Do you track what happens afterwards? And 
what are some of the things that you see or maybe challenges that you see companies face after you do all the amazing things that you're doing and, and flush out a better way for them to generate prospects, which is what they want. Thanks for asking. And the amazingness comes from their ideas, right? It's their ideas and their customer insight activated with this machine learning. That's the great combination that tends to yield better results. We will then help them optimize the entire journey on the site, the shape of the journey, the length of the journey, where they want people to go. That's one set of things. And sometimes the entire journey is on the site, right? On e-commerce, sure. they, they bought it right then and there. The, the meta challenge there, I think, is the same as the meta challenge you were talking about of, hey, conversion happens offline. In B2B, sales enabled B2B, it's almost always like that, right? You, you generated a lead and now a sales team needs to engage. We'll listen to those conversions. We'll use them as well. Then you've got a trade-off of where in the funnel do I want to optimize for? Do you want to optimize for the near-end thing? Oh, I got them from the landing page to the product detail page. Do you want to optimize for the ultimate goal? They purchased something. We started the company optimizing for this. We we're like, well, like, you want revenue. That seems like the natural thing. Totally natural. The more we dug in, the more we we're like, hold on, these results don't make sense. Data-driven marketers, fine. The data said they don't make sense. This is what we saw so much of it that we came to appreciate that sometimes what you put on the homepage actually has no correlation with whether or not they purchased. Blasphemy, one would say. Well, it did have correlation getting you to the next step. But when you got to enter your credit card here or your social security number when you're doing a financial services application, that has a much bigger impact on whether or not they make it all the way to the end. And so there's a set of things you got to do there. And so we started shifting people towards optimize each step to get to the next. Okay, that did help as long as you do every step. Otherwise, you might have pushed a bubble of unqualified folks down and they're going to drop later on. Okay, so you optimize every step for the next. The next version which we have quietly running in the background is optimize for all of it at the same time. Have the ML figure out, hey, what's the relative weighting between these? How can I optimize both to get somebody to the next step and all the way at the end and take into account everything that's happening in the journey, whether that final step is online in e-commerce or offline in sales. In particular, if it's offline in sales, you want a near-end signal on the website because if that sales cycle is a week, a month, a year, yeah. You need signal to optimize on the You can't just load that. that in later and, and start yeah. to understand it. You, you, need, you need signals along the way. So that you can iterate more quickly on your ideas. Totally with you, David. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, let me ask you this. When, when, you're, when you're trying to help a customer and you're telling them all of these things, what, what is the biggest you know, hurdle or challenge that you deal with with those customers to get them, your clients, to really get them to adopt and understand the power of what you do. Interestingly, the, the, are they afraid of changes because they're stuck or they just love their slogan or they just, you know, they're just used to things or it's the thing, it's the way it's always been done or. Fortunately, most of them are very data driven. And so there's part of that that comes more easily. Uh, depending on how you apply the machine learning, if you recognize that the world keeps changing, there's this really difficult, if you're really set on A-B testing mindset, challenge of there isn't a winner. There is a winner. You can reach statistical significance and use that in your other forms of marketing. Use it in your sales materials. But that answer might change. You run a promo. You change your messaging. Your competitor does something. In reality, the answer might change. We never acknowledge that when we're doing A-B testing because the test is done. That is a big mental shift to say, hold on a minute. I built my reputation in this company by finding winners. My career advances because I found winners. Now you're telling me my winners might go away. That's super hard to, to reconcile. And just like people took their own organizations from intuition-driven marketing 
to data-driven marketing to appreciate how important winners are, it's then another level of organizational understanding to say, yes, I found winners and they might change. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. You got to keep evolving and adapting. Yeah. Awesome. What advice do you have for the average business owner or marketing team for this part of the process? It is probably similar to advice a lot of conversion rate optimizers give, which is go test, go run, go, go understand your prospects and always be testing, always be testing. Yes. ABT always yep. be testing. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a, a quote or a saying that, you know, really resonates with you or that you repeat a lot with your team? Um, Customers are true north. We live and breathe. It's very trite, but to actually live it as an organization is, is a thing. And with our customers, we're often talking about meet every prospect where they are in their journey with you. It'll produce good results over time. I love it. I love it. Guy, thank you David. so much for spending time with us today. And uh, please check out Intellimize if you're interested in, on, uh, in optimization that's on steroids. Uh, we're really talking to one of the leaders in this, in this entire industry. So thank you guys so much for chatting with us today. David, pleasure to spend time with you. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye. L'chaim. <laughs> L'chaim. <laughs>